Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Get your news in less than three minutes, three times per day with the Al Jazeera News Updates. Just ask your home device to play the news by Al Jazeera or subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. This episode of Canada Land Shortcuts is supported by HelloFresh, the meal kit service dedicated to making cooking fun, easy, and convenient. Every week, HelloFresh creates delicious recipes with step-by-step instructions designed to take about 30 minutes for everyone from novices to seasoned home cooks who are short on time. You will get 50% off of your first box when you visit hellofresh.ca slash CanadaLand and enter the promo code CanadaLand when you subscribe. This episode is also brought to you by Squarespace. The future is coming. Make it brighter with Squarespace. Squarespace makes it easy to turn your idea into a unique website. You can customize everything, and there is nothing to install, patch, or upgrade ever. Head to squarespace.com for a free trial. When you're ready to launch, you will get 10% off of your first purchase of either a website or a domain when you use the offer code CanadaLand. Here in Delamont, uh, Ottawa-based freelance journalist. I'm reaching you today in London, Ontario. How you doing? Not too bad. How are you, Jesse? I'm good. Uh, we are going to talk today about the raid on the offices of Torstar and Post Media. The dramatic raid. The Competition Bureau is all pumped up and cocky after they got us each those $25 gift cards from Loblaws. They have now stormed Godfrey Castle. Uh, we are also going to talk about nobody's favorite McDonald, Neil. He has taken a shot at an entire religious group, and he did so on the CBC's website. Lucky for him, it's one of the religious groups that you can still kind of get away with slagging. And finally, we are going to talk about that vulgar, belligerent, blonde-haired businessman turned politician who edged out a more experienced woman in an election despite the fact that she won the popular vote. And folks, I am not talking about Doug Ford. No, wait, of course I am talking about Doug Ford. Who else would that possibly describe? Kieran, good to have you here. Good to be here. This episode of Shortcuts is brought to you by Justin Pitcher, Cohen Hammond, Garth Boyd, Virginie Corno saint hilaire Isabel D.H., Rhonda Chant, Robert Wheaton, and Sushil Taylor. Hi, my name is Ishil Taylor, and I'm a web developer from Brampton. I support Canada Land because the reporting that Canada Land does isn't really covered by other news media outlets in Canada. And uh, on top of it, it's important that we pay for the media that we want and deserve. Kieran, are you uh, ready to hear an extended supercut of Doug Ford being an epic dickhead? I absolutely am. Here's Doug Ford on Ottawa Morning on the CBC. Okay, let's get into the actual details of your platform. You claim mm-hmm. that you can cut the waste without costing a single job. How are you going to do that? Well, very simple. I did it uh, down at the city of Toronto. I'm going to do it in Ontario. We're going to find efficiencies. We're going to drive efficiencies through lean systems, best practices, and technology. Well, how? Very simple. You, you haven't done it. I've done it. That's the difference. Next question. 
Well, I, I'm, I'm looking for some concrete examples of how you will find those efficiencies and, and how okay, much very, they very, will save. Very, very simple. We'll get into the weeds for a little bit with you here, Robin. Uh, I know you've never done purchasing. I've done it on a multi-million dollar business on both sides of the border. It's, it's funny, Robin. i, I got to ask you this question. Do you think there's not four cents uh, on the dollar of savings in the bloated government of Ontario? Well, if uh, if you're not cutting public service jobs, where are you cutting them? No, no. What, what, I just asked you a simple question. Well, are you, with are you, all due you, respect, do I'm, feel, I'm doing the interview with you. I know, I, I know, and I'm answering your question. Can you find four cents in the government? Matter of fact, let me answer that for you, Robin, since you're unable to. Can I tell you something? Mm-hmm. I've knocked on tens of thousands of doors, unlike yourself. The facts are that in 2007, <laughs> the government consulted with parents, students, teachers, faculties of education, universities, and colleges. The physical education curriculum is the most consulted on curriculum in Ontario history. Yeah, well, I, I'll have to disagree because I've crisscrossed this province. I haven't found one parent that was consulted. You, Absolutely you not. Tonsils to abortion? No, no. You're, you're, what I'm, what my point is: Would you let your child have an operation without your consent? Do you have a child, Robin? I have two. Okay, so if they went in and they had an operation and didn't tell you, you'd be okay with your 13-year-old son or daughter. Uh, having an operation, a 14-year-old, a 15-year-old, well, in my opinion, I'm not okay with it. I was in the understanding that uh, Rob never did drugs in front of me, Robin, and I appreciate you bringing his name up because he was one of the best civil servants uh, there ever was. But I appreciate no, this. No, the, the, uh, the main point is I understand that you think that no. I am attacking you, but the main point oh, of is course. I, I would never think can, you're attacking me, Rob, and neither would your listeners. How trust you? Class act. Oh, great. Next, uh, next premier. <laughs> Yeah, probably, huh? And we, we we are absolutely defenseless. I mean, you know, I just did what the Huffington Post did, which is the same thing we did during Rob Ford. Uh, I, I can't resist, you know, and I think that uh, when, you know, like like he goes on Ottawa morning and acts just reprehensibly to the host and that I think, you know, I think it's totally consistent with just how he actually is, but I also think that it's a very deliberate thing that that then becomes its own news story. And I, I, I'm flashback to uh, when Rob Ford won. He refused to talk to the CBC during his campaign. And then as soon as he wins, he gives like a victory lap. Like finally he gives, uh, as it happens, uh, an interview where he is just like despicably rude in a, in a fuck you interview to as it happens. And he's coaching football while he's doing the interview. And then he hangs up on them at, at some point. Mm-hmm. And this is just like it's uh, delightful to his base. And it's kind of delightful to his detractors, too. Like like it's 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 proof of what you already knew. And uh, we now have uh, a, a figure who we can't resist copiously covering anything with his name in it. So after his victory, he, he announces uh, his, his, his drug plan that he wants to, there'd be a free market for marijuana that gets copious, like anything this guy does, like good luck to Kathleen when, even if there wasn't the, the feelings against her that there are um, in terms of just the ability to dominate the media narrative that, that is D- Doug Ford's. Yeah. I mean, he's a, he, he does exactly what I think, you know, Rob Ford tried to do in his later years, which is like really just turn himself. He is a brand, right. And he knows that that's, you know, in the absence and in such a short short turnaround until the election with the new leadership and the six you know the six week leadership race and the campaign and everything, you know, I think his strategy is going to be to lean very hard into branding himself and and going for that 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 populist brand rather than like I don't know policy. He already I think he's now saying he's going to scrap the whole people's guarantee and and come up with some new five point plan or something like it's it's you know it's an absurd political tactic, but yet. 
it, you know, there's almost nothing we can do. It's it's going to dominate the news cycle for the next three months. Yeah, I don't think he needs policy. He just needs to not be Kathleen Wynne and uh, get the circus all ramped up again. Uh, it, it's disheartening to see, like, you know, this it, is an ongoing conversation. I mean, it started with Rob Ford and then we saw it with Trump. We're just like, what can we do when you've got a figure like this? You know, what 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 can the media do? Like, it's you're watching yourself being gamed. You're watching that strategy play out. Um, every time something is, is extreme or ridiculous or mockable, uh, it, you, you, you know, is, is it just about that we're dying for the clicks? I mean, we're not making that much money off of clicks. Um, it's nice to see clicks. It's nice. It's yeah. nice when you're, when your content, uh, you know, goes, goes viral, but like, it's a bit of a hollow victory when it's going viral just because it's like Doug Ford says, Doug Ford says something crazy again. This has been, you know, the six weeks that we've seen Doug Ford, uh, into this race or, or whatever it's been at this point now, um, has been like a little clip. I don't think there's been a ton of reporting on the campaign itself. I don't really think necessarily that there has been enough much to report on it's been largely uh, a branding exercise and a really a kind of a popularity race like it's nobody had a platform really nobody had uh, clear policies other than tonya granick allen uh, and which you know i think was the only policy that really uh, it was that in carbon tax um i think as a result it kind of became this domain of of the punditry who knows what this campaign is going to look like and i think that that's that's the real feeling i have is that this could be uh, this could be an absolute shit show. I mean, just uh, I, I this is more of a political point than a media one, but the the absolute chaos of what just happened, where Patrick Brown, whose whose platform was very, very different than what Doug Ford is talking about, uh, being a shoe in mm-hmm. for uh, for for the premiership and through the sequence of, of crazy events. And, and, and that part is, you know, very much about the media as well. We're now going to have a premier who, whose politics are just like wildly different than that. And it's just like, to what extent is what's, is what's playing out a, 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 have anything to do with what the voter wants? Uh, it's not really a question for me to answer. I, I, I want to make another point about some of the coverage. It was interesting to see um, the, the rebel uh, <laughs> media in trying to cover the, the leadership convention actually barred entry from the conservative party of Ontario's leadership convention, which on the one hand, it's like, wow, how far has the rebel fallen when not only will mainstream conservative candidates not appear on the rebel, but they won't even let them in the door to cover their convention. And and you could look at it that way, but I think if you did, it's a mistake because you would be ignoring the fact that the candidate who won is a candidate who advertised on the rebel. And the the last couple of chances that, that voters have had the ability or conservatives have had the ability to name leaders, they've named, you know, Andrew Scheer, who is the most rebel uh, affiliated candidate in that race, I would say, uh, given Hamish Marshall and, and, his, and also Scheer's appearances on the rebel. And in this case, Doug Ford. And I think that, that this process of re-legitimizing the rebel is, is, is well underway. Ezra's coming back. Okay, Kieran, uh, I know that you've been following this, uh, this competition bureau storming into Torstar and Post Media's offices. Um, I'm wondering maybe you're in the better position to give us a summary of what happened. And also, let me know what, what relationship you have to this, to this uh, incident. Uh, yeah, I mean, in, in, I guess I suppose at the interest of the disclosure right off the top, uh, this is relating to the newspaper closures, uh, November 27th. I was uh, one half of Metro Ottawa's uh, editorial team, and so we were uh, – so I, I, I was inevitably laid off in that um, in the deal uh, there. So I, I, I have a, uh, I suppose, a, a conflict on that side of things. And then the other side of things, I've also worked with Post Media and uh, sort of will work with Post Media in the future this summer and stuff. Um, but those disclosures aside, um, 
what it, I mean, you know, they were they were looking into, I guess, the legality uh, of this of this deal, right? It, the, the, I think the explanation was that it came in at under less than eighty eight million dollars uh, in terms of assets, and and uh, and so thus did not actually need to be cleared by the competition bureau. They're taking a look at it. It obviously looks like it might be, you know, it looked, I think, for, to a lot of people from the outside, like they were carving up the province into various different markets, um, it, it, which, you know, obviously has competition uh, implications and, um, you know, the potential is supposed to, to lessen competition. Anyway, so um, I, I guess this would be the first shoe dropping in that investigation at all as they, uh, some sort of dramatic raid on the Post Media and Metro Land and uh, Torstar offices. Um, I I haven't seen anything that like I haven't seen anybody talking necessarily about what they were after, or what information they've got, what you know any of this. So I, I think there's still a lot of questions around that from my end, but uh, you know it, it's at least a glimmer of hope that they might be taking uh, taking a harder look at this deal. And to refresh people about the deal itself, this was back in November when Torstar and Post Media swapped what was it 22 newspapers. Uh, I think it was up, I, I think it was 22 on one side. I think it was up to about 41, I believe oh, the number was. Total. Of course. Yeah. And essentially, uh, no cash in the transaction. Uh, you now own a whole bunch of our newspapers. We now own a whole bunch of yours. And it was a swap and kill. Now that we own them, we're going to kill them. And they killed them uh, most most frequently in markets where they already had a newspaper, which makes sense. Why would you want two newspapers in one market? Uh, you were couching your terms as journalists do in, you know, perhaps this was uh, <laughs> an anti-competitive measure. I, I think it was obviously nothing but that. It was absolutely, let's carve up uh, our respective newspaper, um, you know, monopolies, or let's make them, let's make these into monopolies in, in various markets. Let's create monopolies in these markets, and, and why should we? Why should we compete in markets where we're both in a death spiral? Uh, better you take one, and we take the other. Mm-hmm. So uh, any kind of violation of antitrust laws, which you know. Uh, I am certainly no expert on, uh, I think would be about the technicalities as to whether or not it's above a certain level, like you say, the 88 million or whatever, not whether or not that's what they were doing. I mean, we can say that that's what they were doing, right? Mm -hmm. This was an anti-competitive, that is exactly what they were doing. I I think that the, you know, the devil's going to be in the details here with with anything. I I think that's the way the competition bureau has worked in the past. Like it's, it's, it's hard, I think, for them to define things like anti-competitive, you know, in an age where anybody can start a website and it's hard for them to, to come up with all these answers and to actually quantify it. And if, you know, I mean, it's probably right that this is going to be largely toothless and, and nothing's going to come of it, but. uh, Well, let's talk about that. I mean, that's interesting because it didn't look toothless. This is like crazy. Like you had this, these pictures of this huge, beefy competition bureau guy. I've never seen a more uh, scary competition bureau agent like raiding the offices and he had a cop with him. They had a search warrant. The headline here, uh, feds raid post media tour store and Metroland in Toronto to investigate quote, alleged conspiracy. Here is the statement that the competition bureau put out. The competition bureau is investigating alleged anti-competitive conduct. Contrary to the conspiracy provisions of the competition act, investigators, with the Bureau are currently gathering evidence to determine the facts related to the alleged conspiracy. There is no conclusion of wrongdoing at this time. No charges have been laid. Should there be a violation of the act, we will not hesitate to take appropriate action. They are sure going to uh, lengths to look tough. Why do you suspect that this is a toothless effort? Well, I mean, th- because they've hesitated to take action in the past, right? Like it's it's 
this is sort of what the competition bureau does. I mean, you know, the post media did told them that it wasn't going to merge uh, offices in the Sun Media deal, and then they, you know, they ultimately did merge newsrooms. I think that the justification from the you know, the executive level of, of, of both Torstar and, and Post Media. Um, you know, I, I think Paul Goffrey becomes the boogeyman for this a lot of time, but I think it's just as bad uh, on the other side, too. It's, it's, everyone's in the same game. Um, you know, their justification that this is really what they need to do to extend their runway, I think will, you know, inevitably be convincing to the competition bureau, right? Like, it, you know, it, this is just a reality of business. This is the way things go. This is how things play out. You know, I, I wouldn't expect, you know, and, and nor I think maybe the the bigger question is, nor do I think at this point that punishing post media and punishing tour star and punishing, um, these companies at the executive level, nor do I even think that that's particularly beneficial or useful. Yeah. I mean, your, your, uh, you know, skepticism as to whether or not the competition bureau will do anything, I think is well-founded and not just in the case that you cited with the sun deal, the entire history of the competition bureau and of antitrust law in Canada when it comes to media is atrocious. I mean, Mm -hmm. the warning signs were raised every time there, uh, were mergers and consolidation that this would be disastrous to news coverage in Canada. And, you know, you had like, uh, you know, federal inquests into this. There's uh, looking at the East Coast, declaring it a journalistic um, disaster zone. Uh, every every warning was raised and they have never been able to prevent this consolidation. And, and really, you know, it, it's become this accepted common wisdom that, you know, newspapers just can't make money in, in these small communities. Um, and, and of course, the challenges are real. But I think I would argue that that a, a bigger problem for profitability in these small communities is is the consolidation. Like a, a small independent newspaper serving a small community is in a much better position to you know pivot. Uh, small organizations do that better, and they know their they know their readership. Like we would be in much better shape right now if those papers were all independently owned. But the trains left the station. I don't, I don't even think it matters if the competition bureau does anything at this point or not. I, I kind of agree with you. Like what, what's what's that going to do if they come down hard on these beleaguered companies? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think. You know, I think the 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 business model is and and the business side of things is so precarious right now that you know if you if you tack, I think what can they do a twenty five million dollar fine or at very worst throw somebody in prison for fourteen years? I think was you know what they could theoretically be facing. I don't think that that's going to do anything. First off, I don't think either of those two things is going to happen. No, it'd be fun to watch. But <laughs> second off, I, I don't think that that would be very useful. Right? Like, it's just going to be taking more money from an already precarious industry, and it's 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 certainly not going to get certainly not going to return my job to this certainly not return any of the jobs of you know the the dozens of us who 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 lost jobs up in ottawa it's not going to bring any of those back metro ottawa is certainly not going to start printing again um so you know yeah while it is nice it's a glimmer of hope it's it's i mean it's it's nice to think that somebody's taking this a little bit seriously um how this interacts i think also with the the sort of the, the newspaper funding and the budget deal um and all of that news i think it's hard to say as well you know, I don't know, maybe I'm too quick to, uh, you know, to dismiss this. I mean, like, I don't know enough about antitrust law, but if there was a way to actually break up these chains and the worst thing that happens is when they shutter these papers and the local journalists don't even have a choice in the matter. Like, like, is there some way that they could force these chains to offer uh, rather than when they're ready to close a paper? Offer it to the employees of that paper. Offer it back to the community in some way. Turn it into a nonprofit. If you like, I don't know. Like it, it feels like a fantasy because like we've never ever seen anything like that happen. Yeah. But uh, you know the the wasted value 
of uh, just destroying these these brands and destroying the newsrooms that are built up and all the institutional knowledge. like the whole thing is just like it's a it's a tremendous sickening waste it, it would be wonderful if there's some way that you could return these to their communities oh absolutely yeah um I think there was a case in, I believe it was Moose Jaw or somewhere in Saskatchewan where something like that happened, um, that sort of the paper banded together to to actually purchase the paper. That would be, you know, I think that would be absolutely great. But, um, and, and, it, and it very well may be something that is possible in smaller cases. I think in, you know, massive sort of culls of the uh, the newspaper industry like, like we saw in November, I don't know if that's necessarily um, you know, the case, but it would be, it would, it would certainly be nice. It would certainly be a nice option. And I think that, you know, a a good number of the reporters who lost jobs in Ottawa have kind of gravitated towards new community papers that have sort of jumped in to fill the gap, which is, which is neat. It's nice to see. This episode is brought to you by AG1. Listen, taking care of your health is not always easy, but it should at least be simple. That is why for months now, I start every day by drinking AG1. I take a scoop of this green powder, I mix it in a canister with water, shake it up, and I drink it. I get hydrated, and I get energized and focused and ready to take on the day knowing that I have vitamins, minerals pre and probiotics and a lot more. These are things that science tells us we need. They are also things that I don't necessarily get every day outside of my AG1. Listen, if there's one product that I'm going to recommend that will help you elevate your health, it's AG1. And that is why I have been partnered up with them for so long. If you want to take ownership of your health, it starts with AG1. Try it now and you'll get a free welcome kit that includes a shaker bottle, canister, a metal scoop, along with five free travel packs. You'll get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3 and K2 along with your first purchase. Go to drinkag1.com slash CanadaLand. That is drinkag1.com slash CanadaLand. Check it out. Okay, Kieran, I want to thank our sponsors, uh, HelloFresh, the meal kit service dedicated to making cooking fun, easy, and convenient. Each week, they create new delicious recipes with step-by-step instructions designed to take around 30 minutes for everyone from novices to seasoned home cooks short on time. Recently, I I, uh, I had a box of HelloFresh at home. There were these uh, shaved beef barbecue sandwiches uh, with these roasted parsnip fries. There was a meal of, of chicken tandoori. Uh, there's food that I like and I eat at, when I can at restaurants, and there's a sort of like healthier version of it that we're now cooking. And it's something that would not have occurred to me when I'm just like in the supermarket trying to figure out what to throw together for dinner that night. And I don't have to go to the supermarket when we have that HelloFresh box. It makes life easier and allows you to cook real food, healthy food, fresh, locally sourced food for yourself and your family. For 50% off of your first box, visit HelloFresh.ca slash CanadaLand and use the promo code CanadaLand when you subscribe. If any of this sounds good to you, you might as well just try it out and see if it's for you. Again, that's HelloFresh.ca slash CanadaLand. Promo code CanadaLand for 50% off. Finally, the show is sponsored by Squarespace. If you are ready to start your new business, if you have an idea for a project, make it stand out with Squarespace. Get things started and make a website quickly. There's no reason why this should be an obstacle to you launching that project. You have beautiful templates created by world-class designers to choose from, and Squarespace makes it very easy to turn your idea into a new and unique website. You can showcase your work, blog, publish content, sell products, services of all kinds. It's a different way of thinking about a website. It's not like you just build a website and then you've got to service and maintain it all the time because they do that for you. It's optimized for mobile out of the box. Uh, There's nothing to install, patch, or upgrade ever. And they have award-winning 24-7 customer support. Head to squarespace.com. Try it out for free. Just start playing with it. It's quite easy to do. When you are ready to launch, use the offer code CanadaLand and you will save 10% off of your first purchase of a website or domain. That is squarespace.com. 
offer code CanadaLand. Kieran, uh, this is your first time on CanadaLand Shortcuts. Are you familiar with a feature that we present to our listeners called Duly Noted? Uh, I am. I am vaguely familiar with it. Yes. Have you selected an item to note Duly today? Uh, yes, it's one. It's one that I I was really interested in, and it was uh, sort of extremely dorky, but I think it's kind of an interesting Canadian story. Um, it's it's uh, Daniel Viola at the Walrus's article about the Ramai Modern in uh, Saskatoon. Uh, if you were to guess where like the world's uh, sort of most complete collection of of lino cuts by Picasso is, would you like guess Saskatoon? I actually guessed Saskatoon right when you were saying that. That was the first thing I, I, I thought. <laughs> yeah. But that, you kind of gave it away. That, so you know. I did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That center of the art world, uh, uh, Saskatoon. Um, and I had, no, I had no idea what this was happening. I had no idea that they're building this $85 million kind of, you know, very cutting edge modern art museum in the middle of Saskatoon, which, you know, why the hell would you build it there? Um, why the hell, if you have a large collection that you're looking to donate to a museum, would you pick you know, uh, 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 at, at that point, uncompleted project or an unapproved project in um, Saskatoon. I, I think that bears repeating Saskatoon, Saskatchewan um, for for Picasso's is just absurd to me. But so he sort of dove into this story, which is, uh, you know, for kind of municipal policy and government uh, sort of dorks like myself was just like, a head scratcher um, in terms of a in terms of a project, um, and he did a really good. It's really fun job, really really kind of interesting read, and uh, I think I think it just you know Canadian arts journalism doesn't always get the most um, you know sort of the most coverage or the most uh, the most publicity, um, which I think is too bad because I think there's interesting, weird, and and just wacky stories like this one taking place uh, that we just sort of don't know about. Cue the outraged uh, mail from art lovers of Saskatoon. Um, yeah, I know. Yeah, and I apologize to Saskatoon. Listen, I, 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 I want to go I now. Uh, I, like, I, I, I'll, I'll go see Picasso Lino cuts. That sounds amazing. Um, $85 million does sound... Uh, that sounds crazy too. I would want to see that, but, uh, I, th- I threw a football, I threw a football around at the Saskatoon train station once. And I think that this might actually make me go into the town next time. Duly noted. Uh, I would like to duly note a, uh, Canadian press wire story. I mean, a lot of people had this story, but I'm going to focus on the Canadian press's coverage of this. Um, cause from the headline on down, I got issues <laughs> headline, Alberta man charged after farm shooting met with applause outside courthouse. And so the headline tells you that, uh, that this man uh, who's just been charged with a crime was applauded. And what proceeds is, you know, you, you get the story, which is that uh, this guy caught like what seems to be a meth head rummaging through his car and he came out and shots were fired. And uh, it's unclear. They don't say he shot the guy in the arm, but that's the implication. And so, you know, that's what happens when you shoot someone who is uh, merely uh, rummaging through your car. When you shoot them, you get charged. And the article isn't really about that. The article is a provides copious coverage to the people who think you should be able to shoot people. Uh, Edward, Edward Maurice, the charged individual, his lawyer is quoted. Uh, the article just states rural crime on the prairies has been in the spotlight recently. That's all you get. You don't get any, like any stats. Rural crime on the prairies has increased recently. Rural crime on the prairies has become violent recently, just that it's, it's in the spotlight, maybe because of articles like this, but, uh, most mendaciously to me, uh, the quotes person after person who feels like you should be able to shoot people. Um, here's one quote from Bill Ferguson who lives near Vulcan, Alberta. He says, I feel it's ridiculous that we can't protect our own home and family. Then it quotes 
Eric Johaniak from High River, Alberta, who was outraged after he heard that the guy was charged for shooting someone. You have no right to defend yourself, he said. Then the organizer of this rally where they were cheering the guy on is quoted um, talking about how property owners are being bullied and aren't allowed to stand up for themselves. We need better politicians to change the damn laws, said the organizer, George Clark. It goes on and on. Then a blogger is quoted. We understand that any of us could have found ourselves uh, in the in the, in the uh, charged person's shoes. And what I want to say here is that the opinion that all of these people have, that you should be allowed to shoot people when they are trying to steal from you on your property, not when they are threatening you physically, but when they are trying to go through your car for some spare change. That is a radical position. It's a radical idea. And for the press, for the Canadian press to give this much credibility to such a radical position, it's something that you would never see in any other any, any other cause that is considered radical. You would never hear, you know, people who believe, I don't know, that reparations are in order or that, uh, you know, we, we should be returning land to Indigenous people. You would never have four or five people quoted at length presenting their argument uh, for such a radical position. But in this case, when it's farmers protecting their land and, and, and wanting the ability to shoot people with impunity and, and create some sort of, uh, you know, stand your ground law or castle law in Canada, uh, they have the, the, the full accepting attention of the Canadian press. Well, there's almost like this, there's this folksiness too. I, I think that a lot of people will hear it and not quite identify that as an, you know, a radical, a radical legal position. Like there's a folksiness, I think, to like farmers who, you know, say they would want to shoot anybody who comes onto their property. And, and, you know, I think that it's maybe this article is somebody just getting absolutely seduced by that in like a sanitized way um, and not actually thinking that there's people being shot here. Yes, the, the, the press is swallowing that folksiness whole. And in fact, in, in the trial where self-defense was not an argument that was made, that was not the defense, self-defense, the the defense lawyer was smart enough to invoke it in a, in a dog whistle kind of way by saying, mm-hmm. a man's home is his castle, and then goes on to this magic bullet defense. So we are invested in this idea, this folksy idea of, of standing your ground and protecting your property, but it is a radical position because the law, the law calls that murder. Duly noted. Okay, Kieran. Finally, today, this uh, Kalistani issue is is, is uh, continuing on. It's a story that has legs, and you know, rightfully so, because we're speaking today on Wednesday, and the Globe and Mail has reported that uh, they that they have uh, evidence that Jagmeet Singh um, attended a Kalistani um, Sikh separatist event in the past, and it's bringing up new questions, which I think are legitimate questions for Jagmeet Singh. Um, but something else played out earlier that I think is uh, from a, from a, you know, uh, like keeping an eye on the media perspective is pretty extreme. Uh, I think anybody listening would agree that to single out a religious group and just call them all a nasty word is not something that you expect to read on the CBC's website, but that happened. Neil McDonald in writing an editorial about, about this rising Kalistani issue wrote The Sikhs were a closed fanatical bunch. The Sikhs were a closed fanatical bunch. And the the comedy of errors that played out after that, somebody uh, brought this to the CBC's attention. They very quickly uh, changed that to Sikh extremists were a closed fanatical bunch. But I think you can call it a cover-up because they did not include a correction notice and say that an earlier version of this article uh, had this other language. Then it got worse because um, the Sikh leaders at the World Sikh Organization were raising hell about this online and saying, CBC, would you ever say this about another religious group? 
And who jumps to the CBC's defense but semi-retired uh, CBC Terry is his Twitter uh, handle. Terry Malewski says, how did that quote get through, you ask? Easy. It didn't. Your World Seek organization president fabricated it. He made it up. You parroted his obvious lie. The correct quote refers to Sikh extremists, but of course, you're eager to exploit the lie. What a disgrace. Has anybody found has anybody found like the web archive version to confirm that it did that it did in fact, you know, say just the Sikhs at one point? Yes. Uh okay. there there is an original version and uh and in fact, Terry Malevsky apologized to the two World Sikh organization leaders when that was pointed out to him. Um there's no question that that is what the Neil McDonald piece originally said. This is intense, man, because, you know, it's very revealing how Malevsky responded. His assumption was that they forged it, you know, was that was that the World Seek Organization president fabricated, those are his words, he made it up, he lied, and pretended that the CBC had maligned him. And I, I asked Terry Malevsky online, you know, we've been spatting and going back and forth, but, like, I can't get, like... I, you spatting with Terry Malevsky? Well, you know, it's becoming a joke and it's unpleasant for people to watch, but I can't get a straight answer out of the guy. I'm like, what led you to that conclusion? Like, that's a crazy place to arrive where you, where you you know, you... you, you uh, I get that he went back to the article, saw the new language, and, and, you know, and his mind said, okay, obviously this thing is a forgery from the World Seek Organization. And, and a, you know, a journalist with no evidence to back up that position publicly alleging that, you know, I, I don't know where the accountability is there. And I don't know where the accountability is on the part of the CBC who uh, published that, sl- that slur, that racial slur against an entire religious group. And who's responsible for that? Mm-hmm. You know, uh, did it happen? If I wasn't saying that it happened, then if these people from the World Seek Organization weren't, you know, taking screen grabs and putting it out there, it's like it never happened. Like, what is going on with this? And the, the, the larger thing here is that there is this um, this attempt from a lot of journalists, you know, Terry Molesky, because he because he covered the Area India bombing and, and uh, feels very possessive about the story. And Terry Glavin and now Andrew Coyne, they're, they're saying like, see, see, mm-hmm. Jagmeet Singh does have Khalistani stuff to answer for. This was legitimate. This is not about racism against Jagmeet Singh. And I, and I, I absolutely agree that these questions are legitimate. But those of us who detected something foul in the way that this is being singled out. And, and I'll remind people that, you know, you talk about any independence movement or separatist movement, be it the, the, uh, the FLQ or the IRA or, or Zionism and its, its origins, that all of these movements have, have violence in, in, in some, I'm not trying to excuse anything, but uh, those of us who feel like there may be some bias on the part of Neil McDonald or Terry Molesky, uh, we're not making that up, mm-hmm. you know, like that's part of this as well. Yeah. It's, I mean, this is one, for whatever reason, this issue just like attracts all of the, like it's the usual suspects. Like it's you know it's the Andrew Coins, it's the the John Kays, the 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 Terry Glavins, the Terry Malevskys, the um, all of these guys. They just, they just have this obsession with Khalistani extremism, which you know geopolitically is a very you know it's a very far removed issue for us, and one that we should probably maybe not be poking our heads into. Like why why get into the mud about Khalistani separatism. You know what? I, I actually don't agree. Like, I, I feel like, um, you know, uh, and actually this is something that it's not uh, a left or right thing because Stephen Harper went to these events, you know, uh, Patrick Brown, um, you know, like like there is this large Sikh diaspora in Canada and, uh, you know, actually – you know there 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 are connections and it's 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 impacting our relationship with India at this point. So I think it's absolutely a fair game as a newsworthy topic. Well, it is, but it, it absolutely is. But I mean, you know, I think you have to treat it with any kind of historical 
consciousness, right? Like this, the, the Sikh separatism is not something that came out of nowhere. It's not an angry terrorist movement. It's, you know, it's a it's a response to a relationship with the Indian government that, you know, for a long time didn't necessarily treat them equitably and, and all sorts of things, right? Like it's, you have to kind of subject it to the, 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 the historical context as you would put any separatist movement. But I don't think we're doing any of that. I don't think, I think it's, it's like... It's, Khalistani extremists become, you know, removed from their context and are just, again, sort of a, a nebulous you know, terrorist organization with quotes around it, you know, in a vacuum, which is weird to me. Yeah, I, I, I think that that's true. I think that there is an attempt to basically like we don't want to hear this nuance, anything, anything having to do with any kind of Sikh independence. Now, let's put that outside of the window of acceptability and let's let's equate that with terrorism. Mm-hmm. And I think that, yeah, if we are going to cover it and we should sensitivity, uh, you know, to this community is is like the, the, the first thing that should be kept in mind. So when you're when you're documenting the fact that Canadian politicians of every stripe have have, uh, have been, you know, present at some events where, you know, photos of, you know, people, martyrs and uh, arguably terrorists have been present and we should be documenting those things. Maybe don't title that report Samosa Politics, yeah, which is, of course, what Terry Molesky yeah. called his his piece on that uh, some time ago. For whatever reason, this, you know, uh, this he's reported on it's it's very odd. I mean, he's reported on it for so long and, and really owned the story, but it's become such a massive blind spot, I think, for him and in the way he talks about it, right? Like Samosa Politics is... I mean, that's bad in 2006. That's even, you know, uh, there was there would be absolutely no way anyone would title something that today. Um, they shouldn't have done it then. Uh, it but, wasn't that long ago. They shouldn't have done it then. Well, yeah, 12, 12 years. Yeah, it's uh, right. But I, I think the larger point there is is that for him, he has kind of drifted into the more and more extremes. And, and it's just it's become a blind spot where I don't think he even he knows it's a blind spot anymore. Um, yeah. You know, I, I I think he just thinks that he owns this story in a way that that nobody else does. And, you know, he is the sort of final Canadian arbiter of of who is a Sikh terrorist and who is not a Sikh terrorist. Um, you know, he, he falls back very much into that that same rhetoric that you see all the time, which is that there's, you know, there's the good moderates and then there's the fundamentalists and then the, that there's nobody in between. And so when he starts from this position, right, he starts from this idea that there are Sikh terrorists, but then there are all the other good Sikh people. He's starting from this 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 binary that is that is strange and I don't think accurately reflects, you know, the realities of, of again, Khalistani politics. Here and that is your Canada Land Shortcuts. Uh, if anyone wants to email me about it, they can do so by sending something to jesse at canadalandshow.com. You can send me the Saskatoon hate mail. Yeah, where can where can people direct their their their, uh, <laughs> their hate mail about the Saskatoon thing? They can send it to me on Twitter because I will compulsively argue back for some reason. And what's your Twitter handle? Uh, K underscore Delamont, D-E-L-A-M-O-N-T. Thank you for that. Tweet nice stuff to us at Canada Land, you know, or other stuff. That's fine, too. We are online at canadalandshow.com. We have a Facebook page as well, and our crowdfunding site is patreon.com slash canadaland. This episode was produced by David Crosby. Welcome to the team, David. A new episode of DDX, the podcast about how doctors think, just went online. A woman with sickle cell disease is well known to ER doctors as a frequent flyer. Every time she shows up at the hospital, it is due to disease-related pain. Except for the one time it wasn't. How did they figure that out? Go to figureone.com slash DDX to find out. It is now the number one medical podcast in the U.S. and Canada. Syndication of this program is by CFUV 101.9 FM in Victoria. Visit them online at CFUV.ca. And if you like what we do, please support us on Patreon. Thank you.